It's Ten Times the Terror. Hello and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. I'm not okay. Hello, 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 and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. I'm James. And I'm Paul. And I'm Gwen. And on today's episode, we are talking about the new horror film, Barbarian. <laughs> and um, we are going to get right into it. We're going to probably go right into spoilers because this is the kind of movie you can't really talk about without giving spoilers. So if you have not seen this new movie, Barbarian, stop this episode, go watch it. Don't read anything about it. Don't watch anything. Just go in blind, strap into this roller coaster and let it take you where it takes you. Because this is the kind of movie where the less you know, the more you'll get out of it. So I think on that note, we are going to spoil this movie. So if you haven't seen Barbarian, you can come back to this episode afterwards. We're going to get right into it. So this is your final spoiler warning. And now we'll be talking about Barbarian, which is the new film from writer-director Zach Kreger. It had its premiere at San Diego Comic-Con on July 22nd and was released theatrically on September 9th. And this movie stars uh, Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, and Justice Long. And so, yeah, we're in full spoilers now. We're going to get right into it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start. I think this movie is absolutely insane, and I absolutely loved it. This movie is wild. I think this is a perfect example of how horror is like the perfect theatrical experience, because this is the kind of movie where your theater is going to be screaming, it's going to be laughing, it's going to be squirming. But it's so bonkers, but I feel like the, the direction is so in control. Like, Craiger knows exactly what he's doing. And I, I just love even how he sort of sets it up because the whole kind of first act is so kind of what you expect from this sort of movie. You know, we have like the dark and stormy night. We have a, a, a girl by herself showing up at this at this house that we understand is of an Airbnb. And um, Bill Skarsgård answers the door and it's very unexpected. And you're not sure what's going on. And as soon as we see the mother in the basement and it cuts to black and goes to the sunny la scene with justin long you're just like what is going on but i'm fully in so i love this movie what did you guys think uh we'll go with gwen what'd you think nothing could have prepared me for what this movie was it was like you said it was wild and it was i can't stop thinking about it like it was so crazy and um the tension was insane but like you said like the weird cutting and it was like almost it was like different acts i like how it cut to like a whole new character mid movie that then ends up everyone ends up tying together at the end um the mother was terrifying the whole rapist scenario was even more terrifying like i just it was really scary but like you said it was also very like funny and like it had like so many good parts of it the characters were amazing the acting was amazing it was it was really like probably one of the best horror movies i've seen recently dad what do you think yeah i have to agree it's a best horror film i've seen in a long long time i think uh, with all due respect to jordan peele and to um you know get out and uh nope uh, uh films like uh, quiet place some we've seen some very good uh horror films in the past uh, decade or more but this is i don't remember seeing a film i was that engrossed with not since i saw uh the ringu you know back in the end of the 20th century and it, and it fits so many uh classic types you know it's the the whole idea of the don't go in and i i think it picked to me it picked up even on something like parasite the idea of having a 
subterranean uh, society that's uh, separate from and, and indeed threatens the the surface society. Uh, there are elements of that. Obviously, opening draws heavily on psycho, but then you're not going in the same direction as you did with psycho. And I think it's this idea that there's lurking in, in human nature, there are these uh, terrible destructive forces or not, you're going back to uh, the scenes, I think, are in the 1960s, based on the cars and so forth, where you, you encounter the, the serial killer, which has been a mainstay of, um, of classic horror, uh, at least since um, Alfred Hitchcock did The, um, the Lodger back in the silent era. Uh, it just, I, I, again, I haven't seen a horror film that I've enjoyed that much in a long time. Totally. I actually, yeah, I think echoing what both of you guys are saying. I mean, yeah, I, there were, uh, there was a, a few horror movies that kind of came to mind as I was watching it. I, I think Wes Craven's uh, people under the stairs is another one where, again, there's these, these ominous figures in the basement. I think don't breathe also came to mind, especially with like the Detroit setting, but I agree that I think psycho totally was reminded of the whole movie. I think especially the way the movie begins with, you know, Georgina Campbell's character, who's Tess showing up at this, Airbnb, which it's already giving off a Bates Motel vibe because the house is so abnormally normal in an otherwise like very decrepit and and run down and literally like abandoned neighborhood. But then to have Bill Skarsgård kind of be the one there. And again, this is a very kind of like awkward scenario where they've both double booked this Airbnb and are not really sure what to do. But he has such like Norman Bates energy. And like, I think the way he plays that character is so well, because the whole time you're kind of like Tess, we're like, should I trust this guy? Should I not? This is a really weird situation, but also like I'm kind of out of options. Like what do I do? And up until we finally see the mother, like you are just kind of walking that path where like, you know, she, she wakes up in the middle of the night, her doors open and he's like, you know, having this kind of weird dreams where he's sort of like, you know, reacting in his sleep. And so we're getting all these kind of red herrings, but we're still not entirely sure if we should like believe it. And, and I think that's where Craig, I think does such a good job of sort of playing with audience expectations of like are things really bad or is it all just kind of like being paranoid and as soon as we're getting into the basement and you know it's funny you mentioned jordan peele apparently jordan peele was a consultant on this and i think when we get that nope line in the movie that's clearly a, a sort of reference now, to peele. Yeah, the nope yeah right <laughs> exactly but but up until as we're going into the basement all of this is so kind of textbook horror movie of yeah like, don't go in the basement don't go alone and and so uh, but then as soon as we kind of get back to bell Skarsgård, it's like wait a minute like what is going on and then when we, as soon as we get to mother and then yeah as soon as we cut to black and then go to to um justin long it, it's such a jarring and abrupt shift like both like tonally and also like aesthetically that it, it almost feels like a different movie but like that to me also just felt like cycle where we're kind of switching protagonists and, and even as that whole part plays out we're kind of like are both the characters dead? Is one of them? And it's also like later on that we see that that Tess is still there and and in the basement. But yeah, I mean, once once the whole the whole sequence with with Justin Long kind of going back to the house and like obviously yeah, he's he's essentially getting me too. He's he's got this sexual allegation against him, so he's going back to this house because he owns the property and is trying to like kind of get his legal bearings. But that whole sequence where as soon as he discovers the basement and has like the measuring tape, I thought that was so funny. I thought that was so, so the way they played that was as soon as like, how much can you charge for extra square footing? Like it just shows how kind of much of a, of a sleazeback he is. But then, yeah, as soon as he's then in the, in the sort of like cage underground with Tess and like, we get this whole like really just perverted 
sense of like of like motherhood and trying to like breastfeed. And you're right, Dad. We get the whole kind of like flashback of the man who's yeah, like clearly is like pretending to be this like public service guy while he like stalks women and essentially is like preying on them and kidnapping them. And even when he gets back to the house, we hear like the sounds of screaming in the basement, which then cuts back to present day. But all of that was just it just the whole movie is just constantly zigging and zagging and you don't know where it's going, but it just makes the whole experience all the more fun. But, you know, and technically, uh, I have to go back and look at it again, but technically the way scenes are staged that they're not, you know, there's, you're kind of, you're not focusing on the center of the, of the image, the film, you're off to one side, which is kind of disorienting and the, the editing, um, Again, I can't give specific examples, but the, the, the way things, certainly that editing that takes you to, um, you know, the the, the the scene along the coast in California, you know, is it's a scene change. But the editing with it's so scenes, abrupt is is you know you're constantly off guard. Is why why I think that's so effective. The way the narrative is told, it's uh, it's not actually expressionistic, but it is off center. I would say. And and that kind of commands your interest. Like, what what is going on? What's behind all this? Yeah, and I love I love that the characters are not the like stereotypical horror movie characters we get. Where Tess is very aware, she's, she's being very careful in the situation she's being like put in. You see all of her like hesitancy. For sure, we think this guy's like gonna be a bad guy. Like I like instantly, I'm like, okay, Pennywise. No, this guy's gonna be a bad guy. And I like how. Even when she gets locked in the basement and she finds this hidden door instead of this, like, oh, let me just go in the basement and, like, see what's going on and get killed, like, so many horror movies, she does do this, like, nope, and she, like, has it open so, like, nothing can just, like, kind of come at her, and slowly as she kind of, like, puts up the mirrors and feels safe, she goes, and when we find that room, that room is so terrifying, I like how... That's not even the worst part of it. And that, like, it gets way worse with the, like, deep, deep dungeon stairs and the cages and, like, mother. It just, like, took such a turn. And for the guy that I thought was going to be the bad guy, that I thought he was, like, luring her down with his calls, that he ends up just, like, dying and not be, and, like, being a good guy. I loved all that twist. Oh, even, totally. You know, well, one thing, uh, I think there's multiple references. I saw this as one. In the, it mentioned that bizarre room in the basement where they have the movie camera. That made me think of Peeping Tom, and you know, it was this a, you know serious little kidnapper? Totally. Was he filming these atrocities that he was committing? Um, that would play into Peeping Tom, one of the most uh, controversial horror films ever. These references, uh, on up to including Nope, uh, are, are really interesting. And again, you know, you've got a redeemer hero. Who get reminds me of um, Courtney Cox in uh, Scream. So I I just th- you know think there's there's just so many ang- and the serial killer obviously has become a, a staple. You know when they think of all the Halloween um, Nightmare on Elm Street you know kind of films, um, and it is something that we are very much aware of. It's it's also interesting too you know when when I think there's a moment when kind of like Tess escapes and the mother kind of goes after her, but then Justin Long is sort of going deeper into the, into the sort of like underground. And he, he gets to like the kind of room where 
where the the man is who's now like this old carbon but as soon as he's like approaching the the mother like shows up but then kind of like slowly walks away almost like as if like she's not allowed in there or something like it's kind of like there's a lot you can kind of infer by like what's been going on but like clearly there's all this all this inbreeding and all this kind of like you know really grotesque you know um you know sexual violence happening but but when we get to even like that back room where the where the the guy is and and again at first at first justin long's character thinks that he's just like a victim he's gonna try to like save him but then you find all these tapes that are all labeled with the clearly all the different victims and all these like yeah vhs is playing like it just it adds so much of the sort of like grotesqueness without fully showing all that but also a, a thing that you kind of said before, Gwen, that I, I want to touch on is like, yeah, you mentioned how like Tess is so kind of like cautious and careful. And yeah, like you're in this very, like very uniquely awkward and strange situation where, you know, you have this double booked Airbnb, but at the same time, you're not sure you can trust this Keith character. And even as like they're talking on the couch and and she's kind of like, you know, if the roles were reversed, like if I was the one here and you showed up, like, like hell no, I wouldn't let you in kind of thing. Like, like I gotta be careful. Like you, you a man would just kind of barge in here and it, it kind of like is really showing the kind of like the gender dynamics. But what I like too is that even though she is so like cautious and careful, she's also just fundamentally a good person. Like as soon as she escapes, her first instinct is to try to go back and save AJ. And you know she tries to like get help by the cops and stuff and do all this. But she's trying to ultimately do the right thing. Whereas AJ is the complete contrast. He's kind of like a piece of shit. And like from the start, we see that he's getting these like sexual allegations against him. He's just and even when he's even when he's out with his friend at the bar, he basically is like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, she eventually said yes. You know, I kind of persuaded her. So it's kind of like it just shows what a scumbag he is. And then, you know, he kind of accidentally shoots her. and But then has that moment later on where he's like, you know, I, I think I'm a bad person or maybe I just, you know, did a bad thing. If I got to change this. And then immediately after that, when they're running up the water tower, he throws her off. He's just only concerned about himself. So in a way, kind of like he's the one that gets like punished in the end and she kind of gets rewarded. She's the yeah, survivor. She, she, she's a real hero, you know, um, and she's the moral center of the, of the You know, I think you have to overlook certain things that, I mean, that, that, that this is an incredible amount of stuff that went on in any kind of an urban environment for these many decades, and nobody ever really picked up on it, but you can't worry about that. Um, that's implied in Psycho, too, that there, there, obviously there's been a number of women that Norman Bates is going after. Um, and nobody has connected him to them up to that point. So that's, uh, I think it's part of the genre. Same idea as if you hear a noise down in the basement, you go down, down into the basement to see what it is, you know, right? That's one of the, uh, tropes they make fun of in, in Scream, you know, it, it was, you, you know, you go down into the deserted area and, and uh, you know, try to get some more food or whatever else you're going to do, but you're in the, um, you're in a very vulnerable spot. And don't say I'll be right back because I'll never be right, right back. back. Yeah, right, right, right. That's a dead giveaway. But th- this, I think, is, uh, just to me, was a very well crafted film, and, and it, it keeps you guessing. What, you know, where are we going from here? What's happening? Because at one, at one level is, you know, was Keith going to become the, you know, the boy, uh, a new boyfriend, and we were going to have a, this couple? Uh, that doesn't happen. And uh, we get indications about the uh, who, who is it who plays him, the, uh, the guy who's the actual owner of the sleaze bag. Um, the the actor playing him is uh, Richard Brake. Richard Brake, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we you know, we get we get a uh, definite more and more of a picture that he's really a predator, uh, and so we've got two kinds of predators in the film. 
which I think was interesting, who operate in different ways. But you know, we're we're back to um, a promising young woman kind of a thing, you know. But I think that that you that you really have the two predators, one much older and and one contemporary. But you know, that's going on, you know, for sixty years or more. Well, also the the mother's clearly a sort of a a product of of him. He's the sort of like originator right. of all this. But also, also right. one thing too is you're mentioning that like the flashback, like the flashback, and again, we're not exactly sure the year, but yeah, you're kind of right. It must be like late sixties or something, just based on like the the clothing and the cars. But it's such a contrast where it's this more kind of idyllic, you know, Americana sort of scene where it's like just very much like all this like kind of life and things happening. And obviously, under the surface, you have this guy who's stalking women. But even as he gets back to the house, where the one neighbor is mentioning how, oh yeah, we're the wife and I are getting ready to sell, you know, this whole this whole uh, neighborhood's going to going to hell kind of thing. It's like we do get the sense of like as as the sort of like as the sort of like decline, if you will, of this whole suburbia happens. That's where this sort of like evilness kind of just starts to breed. And 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 where we are kind of in the contemporary times, like they are the only ones in this area. Like literally everyone's abandoned this area, including the police, including anyone. So it's like it just kind yeah. of lets this sort of like Let's this this sort of horrificness continue. Yeah, is that the, the, this house is the one outpost. Yeah, and, and I really like that. As horrifying as we like that room is with the camera and the bed and like the bloody handprint, you think that's going to be like where all the evil is going to be happening? I like how that was a place of evil, but at like a different time, you know, like and that like that room's clearly totally. been a long, long time. But I also really appreciated that like. For all the horrible SA that this guy was like clearly doing to these women, and even when like he plays the videotape, being like, "What is wrong with you?" I love how we never see any of that because that's like true horror that like I feel like nobody needs to see, you know, even if it's like to fuel a plot line. So I feel like it was done so super well for like really mm. hitting the like the the nail on the head in a very like tasteful artistic way to further the storyline. Exactly. Like it, it, as like grotesque as like the mother character is and the whole like breastfeeding part with her, like, yeah, not seeing what the actual like the yes. father's doing is way more even just again, just him walking back to the house and like just hearing the screams downstairs is like way more chilling. Totally, totally. And um and I was reading an interview that the director had done and I guess it took him a really, really long time to get anyone to pick up this script. Um and he said a big, big part of what the problem was, everyone hated, like, the cut from, like, the mother killing the guy to, like, um, to, like the car scene singing and, like, in L.A. And, like, then finding out this guy's a rapist. Like, I guess a lot of people were like, nobody wants to follow a rapist now for, like, 50 pages. When, like, it really is, like, one of the best, like, parts of the whole way the movie flows. And he, even the director said it was, like, one of the things he loved the most. And, um... I like like you said, I like his arc where we know he's a scumbag. We know he's this like, you know, elitist, like Hollywood person. And then I like how, yeah, you think maybe he's going to like change and maybe this is going to like, you know, now like he's going to become a better person. But then when like when like faced with like the mother coming at them, he's like, I got to slow her down and like pushes her off the the thing. You know, like it's like I love that his arc totally. is like he's just a bad person. Yeah, makes that clear, and 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 set sets his own doom in motion too with all that. 
One, and, and I can totally imagine, like, yeah, studios, like, reading the script and being like, what is going on with this, like, new plot line? But what I love, too, about it, like, for not just to be this abrupt shift, but, like, until until we kind of find out that, oh, he owns this property in, in Detroit and it's going to go back, like, for the first initial part, you're kind of like, is this a different movie? Like, it feels so, yeah. <laughs> so different, but, like, it's such a swing, but it, it ultimately pays off once we get back to the house and then once we kind of get back testing the story and so like it's it, it, it's such a it's so ambitious but yeah like it, he pulls it off so well yeah yeah like you said the whole sequence when he finds the room and then he's instantly like can you list like a third bedroom in the basement for like airbnb whereas like a normal person would be horrified and then when he finds the stairs yeah. measuring the stairs for square footage like it's so perfect for his character but it's also like it was so funny like it was such a good like like comedy moment within like all of the happening well it's so funny too because it's one of those things where we the audience know more than him so it's kind of like we know stuff's about to get bad as he goes down but it's all it is yeah he's only just looking at dollar signs while he's going into this like super creepy basement i know even when they're both like in the dungeon and she's trying to be like she wants you to be her baby like drink the milk and he's like uh-uh uh-uh like like it's just it's such a like comedic scenario within such a like horrifying situation Totally, totally. Mm. And when I, I feel like they, they picked a good casting with Justin Long, because like it is kind of a hard character to play where, yeah, it's like who wants to follow this guy around for the next act of the movie? But like, even though he's a he's such a scumbag, he is kind of like you enjoy spending time with him. So like it's a testament to his acting. It's also funny because I feel like he's not the typical like he's such like a lovable actor in a lot of ways. Like and he's not the, like the typical a-hole like or like a jockey, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Totally. But I feel like he was like a great cast choice. Same as the as um as the first guy. Like it's like you thinking, "Oh my gosh, this guy's nothing but horror movies. Like he's going to be the bad guy." And he ends up being like a good an actual good guy. Right. Well, and and Justin and, Long and is also and a victim, right. Yeah, and and Justin Long is also kind of like he's been in some horror movies, but he's mostly known for comedy. So you kind of like associate with that more so than like horror movies. But he he comes in perfectly. Yeah, he did great. And I gotta say, great end credit song, the "Be My Baby," perfect, perfect end credit song. Yeah, which we looked up, and it's a 1963 song, which is I think kind of like the what we were seeing with the flashback. Yeah, well, it's like Richard Nixon's being talked about on the radio, right, as, like, president, so. Well, that would be um, late, late 60s. Nixon was, was elected in 68, but that's about right, I would say. It looks to me like the late 60s. They still have the big old-fashioned cars, you know, with real big things and stuff. But also, the um, when the neighbor talks about, I'm going to get out of here, you know, what's implied, and what we know is, is, is historically is coming, is kind of a white flight. That um, you know, the white people were moving out because African Americans were moving in, and they were afraid of, uh, of their the value of their homes going down and so forth. Um, so you've you know you've got that racism tied in there, which would have fit the late sixties too. Well, and I think there's a kind of a nod to that in the movie when the homeless guy's like running up to her as she's going up to the house, trying to like warn her, but he's coming off creepy and scary and like. She's like afraid of him, whereas in actuality, he's like a helpful, good person in the storyline. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like another red herring. But you have the you know the property values, and you do you have these false values. The property values in that flashback 
You also have the, the whole thing of the sexual predator idea, multiple layers of that. You've got a, a serial killer and an attack, uh, you know, a Jack the Ripper kind of figure. And then you've got um, this, this, this uh, you know, guy who thinks he's, uh, you know, the, the, the best thing in Hollywood, you know, and you know, he can't believe that he could ever be accused of rape when, when he actually starts describing the situation in the bar. That's sure what it sounds like, right? Yeah. Totally, totally. <laughs> um, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that maybe kind of, we can kind of start wrapping it up. I think we're all pretty, pretty, uh, pretty high on this movie. It, it's, I, I, I had such a blast watching this movie because, again, it's so unpredictable and so, like, you never know quite where it's going, but that just adds to the sort of thrill of watching it. And this yeah. was a fun watch with a crowd, for sure. For sure, definitely. You want to know your packed theater for this one. Um, okay, well, I think that wraps up our discussion of Barbarian. Definitely one to see in theaters. Um, well, that'll be it for today's episode of 10 Times the Terror. I'm James. I'm Paul. And I'm Gwen. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to It's 10 Times the Terror. The podcast. One of my favorite films ever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that for again. Thank you for listening to 10 Times the Terror. This podcast would not be possible without listeners like you. You can find out more about our podcast by visiting our website, 10timestheterror.com. That's 10xtheterror.com.